Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. This episode, we'll be traveling to Southern Asia to learn about the banyan tree. The banyan is a very cute and fun tree that strangles other trees to death, can apparently walk around, and is also diversely symbolic throughout Hindu religion and culture. Let's find out what makes this creepy crawly forest monster one of my favorite trees. So to clarify things for you, I will be talking specifically about Ficus bengalensis, commonly known as the Indian banyan or the bargad in Hindi. I know this may not make a great deal of difference for most of y'all, but to be fair, there are around 750 different tree species around the world that have been referred to as a banyan. It's one reason why common names are super great, until they're super not. I'll first explain the morphology, or shape, of this tree like I usually would. But for the banyan, I think it would be most interesting to explain it in the order of its life cycle. Let's start with how the banyan is pollinated. This is an angiosperm, which means it reproduces with fruits and flowers. But you'll never see the banyan's flowers. The flowers grow inside of a fruit structure, like the seeds would. In this case, the fruit I'm talking about is a fig. The banyan and everything else in the ficus genus are fig trees. So then, if the flowers only grow inside the figs themselves, how do they get pollinated? Well, there are these tiny species-specific fig wasps that make their home inside the fig and will pollinate the flowers while they are living in there. When I say species-specific, I mean that each species of fig tree is pollinated by its own species of fig wasp. The wasps will lose their wings and antennae and live the rest of their lives in the fig, pollinating the flowers and making wasp offspring. Once the flowers are pollinated, the seeds will grow in to replace the flowers, and the fig itself will grow into a more viable and attractive fruit. This can take anywhere from 3 to 20 weeks. After the fig ripens, the next generation of wasps will move out, carrying pollen with them, and the birds will come in and eat that tasty fig and the seeds inside. This is a pretty common seed dispersal mechanism. I, I mean the birds, not the wasps. Birds will eat seeds and poop them somewhere else, and those seeds have a chance to grow into trees. What's really special about the banyan is that its seeds are most successful when they land on another tree or host structure. This means that the banyan is one of the only trees that starts its life as an epiphyte. Now, an epiphyte is simply a plant that grows on other plants. You're probably most familiar with epiphytes in the form of mosses or lichens growing on the bark of a tree or hanging from the branches, like Spanish moss on a live oak tree in southeastern United States. Epiphytes grow solely from sunlight and the nutrients and moisture in the air. When I worked at Olympic National Park in Washington, one of the most common questions visitors would ask was, is the moss killing the tree? They would see cattail moss hanging from all the dead lower branches of the massive spruces and hemlocks and think they were stealing nutrients from the trees. Out of 160 different epiphyte species on the Olympic Peninsula, none were actually parasitic. The banyan tree, however, 
is absolutely a parasite. The banyan doesn't steal nutrients from its host tree, but what it does do is use the tree for physical support to the ultimate detriment of that host tree. The banyan starts out as a vine, and its first objective is to send a root down to the ground and establish a more solid nutrient intake. Once it does so, the banyan then grows into a more regular tree structure right on top of its host. It will wrap itself completely around its host tree until there is only banyan and nothing else. This growth habit has earned the banyan its nickname, the strangler fig. Once the banyan reaches its full tree form, it spends more of its time growing outwards instead of upwards. Kind of like cities in the United States. So think back to my episode about the aspen. That's episode 5. If you haven't listened to it yet, then you should go check it out. If you remember, one method the aspen uses to reproduce is via root suckers. It'll stretch its roots out laterally and shoot up new stems from them. The banyan does something very similar to this. Except the complete opposite. The banyan will stretch its branches outwards, and from the branches, send new roots straight down to the ground. These aerial roots, as they're called, ultimately form new trunks. This unique growth habit has earned the banyan yet another nickname, the walking tree. It's like if a tree were to do the silly walk from Monty Python, which is kind of a funny visual until you think about how ominous it would be for a tree to be growing across the street, but as time passes, its branches slowly spread over the street, sending new trunks down, walking closer and closer to you until this tree is right on your doorstep. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's the banyan. I'm gonna strangle your house. What's cool about the banyan is that it could grow in such a way that there's no obvious main center trunk. You can walk in between all these aerial roots, and maybe even find some little nooks and hovels to live in. You can be like a little squirrel. Do squirrels live in India? I don't know. What lives in trees in India? I guess monkeys? I don't know animals. I only know trees. <laughs> but this growth form, I realize, is just a slap in the face of how I defined a tree in the first episode of my podcast. I said trees need a single dominant stem? Ha ha! What a joke. But with these mechanisms in mind, these trees can really spread. The biggest banyan can be found in southern India. It's estimated to be over 550 years old, and encompasses an area of around 5 acres. Now in America, units of measurement don't always mean much to us, but we can visualize sports fields. So 5 acres, to give some extra visualization, sizes up to be over 3 soccer pitches, or almost 4 football fields. One tree! And there are multiple other examples of massive trees like this. One tree named the Great Banyan near Kolkata is three and a half acres wide and has somewhere around 3,600 aerial roots. Another, known as the Big Banyan near Bangalore, is three acres wide and 400 years old. When you approach these trees, it feels like you're walking through a forest. But you look up and see that everything is connected. Every trunk you see is just a part of one big web of life. The banyan plays a large role in different aspects of Hindu culture, and its symbolism has actually shifted around some over time. 
One big association made with this tree is the theme of death and with the Hindu god of death, Yama. Which is understandable, since the banyan lives by killing another tree, and generally doesn't allow any plant life to grow underneath of it. Because of this, banyans are often planted near crematoriums. There's multiple stories about the banyan's connection with death. They're a little morbid, obviously, but this whole tree is kind of dark, so that's just the way it is. One such story is about the biggest banyan in southern India that I mentioned before the break. The tree grows in a village called Timama Marimanu, and the tree is often referred to with the same name. Legend has it that Timama Marimanu was a woman who lived in this village during the 15th century. She was said to be an incredibly pious woman, and intensely devoted to her husband. One day her husband grew very sick, and when he died, she committed sati, which is a ritualistic suicide. The funeral pyre she was burned on was made of banyan wood, but one of the poles in this pyre actually took root, and grew into this great big record-holding tree. From death came life. A more uplifting story is about the married couple Savitri and Satyavan. Savitri was the daughter of King Aswapati of Madradesa, and Satyavan was a prince from a neighboring kingdom. One day, Satyavan was cutting and gathering wood when he grew very weak and collapsed. Savitri held him, and he died in her lap. She placed her husband's body under a banyan tree, and Yama came to claim his soul. But Savitri followed Yama down into the underworld after him, begging and pleading to bring her husband back to life. Yama finally conceded to Savitri, as he was impressed by her arguments and by her commitment. So he decided to offer her anything she wished but she could not wish for him to restore her husband's life. So she comes up with a list. I want my father to regain his eyesight. Yeah, sure. I want my father-in-law's kingdom to be restored. I said anything, so yes. I want my father to have a hundred more children. That's a lot of kids, but sure. I want me and Satyavan to have a hundred kids. Again, a lot of kids, and also, wow, big ouch, but yeah, wait. Hold on a second. If I grant this then Satyavan would have to be alive for that to happen. Yama recognized that he had been fooled. She did not directly ask for her husband to be brought back to life, so she didn't break his rules. But he respected her cleverness, and brought Satyavan back to life, probably saying, have fun giving birth to 100 babies. Since then, it has become practice for women in certain regions of India to gather on a specific day in late spring around a banyan tree. They wear ceremonial garb, fast, and offer prayers to ensure their husband's longevity and safety. My research into this tree's cultural symbolism actually yielded some conflicting information. Some sources report that the Banyan's association with death separates it from anything symbolizing fertility, while others suggest that its pervasiveness to live does associate it with fertility. Perhaps this comes from differences in varied religious sects? I'm not sure. I would love to hear from someone who knows more about Hinduism, but regardless, I think this dichotomy is very interesting. Another key symbol that is tied to the banyan is that of immortality. The banyan is very long-lived, and this longevity is what associates it with the overarching god figure. The very structure of the tree associates it with god. It is said to be like god sheltering his devotees from above. It's said that Krishna stood under a banyan tree to deliver the famous Hindu scripture known as the Bhagavad Gita. Hindu texts describe a world tree, similar to Norse mythology's Yggdrasil. 
It is said this world tree has its roots anchored in heaven, and its branches grow downwards towards the earth, and delivers nourishment to its people. This world tree very well could have been inspired by the banyan, as its branches quite literally grow down to the earth. The longevity and associated immortality of the banyan also connects it with the Hindu idea of the soul, something that is constant, never dying or renewing. As such, it is associated with hermits, who sit under the banyan hoping to achieve enlightenment and idealism of the soul. This tree is obviously significant throughout India and Hinduism, but the banyan's influence actually extends even further than that. Alexander the Great was said to be the first European to see a banyan way back in 326 BCE. He thought the banyan was super cool, and when he got back to Greece, he told his buddy Theophrastus, the father of modern botany, all about it. Supposedly, John Milton drew inspiration from the writings of Theophrastus when creating his epic poem Paradise Lost. We know about how Adam and Eve, upon eating the Tree of Knowledge, realized they were naked and covered themselves in foliage. This foliage is often depicted as fig leaves. The fig leaves mentioned in Paradise Lost are specifically from the banyan, an Indian fig tree. Unfortunately, the banyan took on a darker tone when the British colonized India. Yes, even darker than being associated with the god of death. When the British had colonized India, they set about capturing rebels across the country and hung them from the branches of the banyan tree. Hundreds of them, as punishment and as a message to others. And this connection stuck around for a while. Thankfully, when India regained its independence in 1947, they reclaimed their pride for the banyan and declared it the National Tree of India. I love this tree. I know there's a lot of negative associations with the banyan because of British colonization, as well as the fact that outside of its native range, the banyan is horrifically invasive. But the richness that this tree provides to Hindu culture and its absurdly fascinating growth patterns never fail to leave me in awe. So with positivity in mind, I encourage you all to be like the banyan. Strive for longevity, to be a shelter to others, and to find unique ways to grow. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their stuff on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Wherever good music exists, they are there. My cover art is by Brittany Burnett. Find her incredible photography on Instagram at BoomerangBrit. Find me on Twitter at MyFavoriteTrees and get updates on future episodes and extra goodies. If you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. It might hug you back. Bye.